Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Chris Ria. Good morning, everybody. It's so good to worship with you in person or online this morning. It's just great to be here with you. We're continuing our series called Anthem of Hope, and hope is very important these days. In the year 2020, a lot of people have lost hope in humanity or in other kinds of areas of their lives, but we have so many things to be hopeful for. In fact, hope is a confident expectation of something good. And I personally believe that there are good things on the horizon. But it's easy when you look around on social media and different apps to kind of begin to lose confidence or lose hope in some of the people around you. I don't know if you've heard, but there's an app called the Next Door app. How many people have this app? Okay, the Next Door app is something, it was an app designed for you to keep in touch with your neighbors. So you can go onto the Next Door website, you can type in your address, and it'll pull up your neighborhood. And, and in that uh, app, in your neighborhood, you can see people can post things like, hey, I found a dog and just wondering whose it is, take a picture of it, post different things. And this app was designed to keep you connected to your neighbors. Unfortunately, sometimes on this app, you see kind of some weird, funny, unusual, strange, and sometimes uh, hopeless things posted on the app. Something like this. Here's an actual post from the Nextdoor app. Please, we hope you guys change the color of your house. It doesn't look good. Don't take it personal. We appreciate you very much, but consider it, please. Something posted on the Nextdoor app. Here's another one. Found bunny. My son found this bunny today. Definitely a pet, very friendly and approachable. Then if you go down to the comments, Laurel says... Let him go. Everyone in the court takes care of him. He's our neighborhood bunny, and the kids enjoy the company. Kim says, I don't think it's safe for the bunny to be outside. He'll get killed for sure. Laurel comes back and says, do what you want, but the bunny is very capable of taking care of himself. He's been outside in my neighborhood for two months. If you choose to keep him, he prefers romaine over iceberg lettuce. This is the best app. It's nonstop entertainment all the time because you can comment back and forth. Here was another one that I found very interesting. Seeking corgi for one hour. Now, corgi is a dog, okay? Does anyone have a corgi we could borrow for an hour or two Saturday evening, May 19th? It would be from 6 to 8 p.m. or it can be earlier later, shorter, or longer. It would be for a royal wedding viewing, and the corgi would receive much admiration and care. Thanks. Not letting my corgi into that home, I'll tell you that right now. Here's another one. Concerned parent. Does anyone know what this pill is? Pink rectangular tablet with the ID Z3D. 
Google doesn't show any results. I found it in my son's room and I'm very concerned. Comment. Um, looks like a Pez candy to me from a Pez dispenser. You have it upside down. The neighborhood app, if you're not on it, I strongly suggest you go ahead and download it for some nonstop entertainment. It can get ugly on there, just to warn you. And sometimes it may make you lose hope in humanity, but then you hear stories like what I'm about to tell you. This happened also on the neighborhood app. It's a little blog post I want to share with you. It's called Community Brings Hope to a Homeless Neighbor. And it says this, when neighbors Melissa and Jen were out shopping one day, they came across an elderly woman living in a car with two dogs. By reaching out and uniting their Pennsylvania community, they were able to change this woman's life in a matter of hours. Upon approaching the car to ask if she was okay, they discovered Lynn, a retired pharmacist and longtime member of their community who insisted she was fine despite spending the past two years living out of her car due to family losses and piling medical bills. Although they didn't know her, Melissa and Jen were determined to hear Lynn's story and help her get back on her feet. Lynn's life took a turn when her husband passed away suddenly at just 47 years old, leaving her with no family beyond her two dogs. Later, Lynn suffered a series of strokes along with breast cancer, rendering her disabled and unable to work. Lynn had to downsize to a small apartment in order to afford her medical expenses, but soon fell behind on payments and was left without a home. While evaluating her options, Lynn found out that she did not qualify for additional assistance and could not find affordable housing. Homeless shelters were not an option as she could not bear to part with her dogs. With no alternatives, Lynn and her two dogs moved into her car with a few remaining belongings. Once the dogs were fed and she had saved enough money, she would take a monthly shower at a local motel and drive around to avoid running into past neighbors and colleagues. I didn't want to have to explain to people that I don't have a home. You feel like somewhere you had to have failed. You accomplished all this, but now here you are in the gutter and you don't want people to know. You don't want to ask for help, Lynn shared. Despite her efforts to remain out of sight over the years, Lynn was running out of food and water and decided to accept Melissa and Jen's help. The neighbors posted her story on Nextdoor and called on their community to help. The post gathered hundreds of supportive comments and some neighbors even shared that they too were once homeless. Kind neighbors brought Lynn homemade or housemade meals, pet food, and clean laundry while local businesses generously donated service such as car detailing, a haircut, and dog grooming. Eventually, the community raised enough money to house Lynn and her two dogs in a fully furnished studio apartment that had been paid off for the next two years. Melissa and Jen surprised Lynn with the apartment in a heartwarming video sharing that. It was unbelievable the way our community came together. Lynn was brought to tears as she thanked her neighbor. She told ABC News it, would have been, it wouldn't have happened without these angels. I just want people to realize that this can happen to anybody. 
I had a good job, I had good retirement, but I got sick and health insurance only covers so much. I have no children, I have no family, I had nowhere to turn. Sometimes just the kindness of strangers just makes all the difference in someone's life. For the first time in years, Lynn now has a home for the holidays, supportive neighbors that stop by to drop off meals or walk the dogs, and loving friends to spend Thanksgiving with. So just when you're about to lose hope, don't. There are still some good people in this world, and there's still reason to maintain hope. But the thought that I have for today to close out this series, Anthem of Hope, is this. The only way to really maintain a life of peace, hope, and fulfillment is by creating depth in our relationship with God. That's really the only way to maintain peace, hope, and fulfillment in this life. Recently, I was able to take a trip to the Grand Canyon It was the first time I had ever seen the Grand Canyon in my life. I got to take a helicopter ride through the Grand Canyon, and then I was standing right there on the edge looking out at this beautiful creation. I'll show you a little video clip of that. Here I am, standing at the Grand Canyon, right at the precipice. Yes, that was my brother. There I was standing eight feet away from the railless end of the Grand Canyon, speaking, and when I turned my head, my brother almost pushed me over the edge. He didn't really. He had me in his arms the whole time. I guess once a brother, always a brother, though. But the Grand Canyon is 6,000 feet high. And it goes for 277 miles. It is this amazing wonder of the world. And it's almost impossible to grasp the depth of this incredible, incredible wonder. And I was so curious about the Grand Canyon. I mean, what would it be like to hike through the Grand Canyon, all 277 miles of it? What would you find? What would you discover in the depth of it? What kind of beauty would you see? Where would your journey start? Where would it end? And, you know, I was able to stand out and look out at that Grand Canyon, but it would take a lifetime to really explore all of this Grand Canyon. I barely scratched the surface of it. And it made me think a little bit about the depth of who God is. As big as this wonder of the world, the Grand Canyon is, our God is so much bigger. And most of us, we just kind of scratch the surface in regards to the depth of who God really is and the things that he wants to share with us and teach us. And it can take a lifetime to truly explore God. You know, Charles Swindell puts it this way. He says, some of God's best truths, like priceless treasures, are hidden in depths most folks never take the time to search out. 
You know, it's easy sometimes to lose hope living in our world because we can look at the darkest parts of humanity, but we forget just how deep and how rich and how amazing and how in control our great God is. And standing overlooking at the depth of the Grand Canyon, it really inspired me to take my intimacy with God deeper, to be fully and profoundly aware of his presence, to touch him in the deepest levels, thinking his thoughts, gleaning his wisdom, and living as close to his heart as humanly possible, walking every day with him and in his will. I think it's so important for men and women of God to begin to go deep and deeper and deeper in their walks with the Lord. So I want to take a few moments this morning and talk about a guy in the Bible who went deep in his walk with God. We all know the Apostle Paul. He wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. He was this man of God. But before he was Paul, he was Saul. And Saul persecuted Christians. What he mainly did is he saw Christianity as an attack against his Jewish faith that he devoted his entire life to. He was a Pharisee. He was rich in his knowledge of Jewish tradition and the law. He believed in Moses and the prophets and his forefathers. He followed the tradition to a T. And he saw Christianity as a threat. He saw Christianity deceiving many Jewish people out of their own faith and into this fake faith. And so he set out to destroy Christianity, to imprison people who were a part of this new cult, to even murder people who were a part of this new cult. And he justified it because he said, I'm saving my Jewish faith. I'm doing the will of God. And when he was on his way to do this even more, he has an encounter of God in Acts chapter 9, verse 3. Let's read that this morning. It says, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led, them by the hand, led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Can you imagine what those three days were like? I and mean, we get to see the end of the story, but in the middle of that, can you imagine what was going through Saul's mind. Can you imagine the shock? I mean, some of us have gotten a phone call or gotten that news, and in a minute or in an instant, life we knew life would never be the same again, right? 
Here's Saul thinking. He's devoted his entire life to God, thinking he's this holy man of God, operating and walking in the will of the Father. And in a moment, he realizes everything he believed, everything he was trying to do was wrong. And now he's blinded by the God that he loved and was serving. Can you imagine those three days, the anxiety that Paul faced, the fear? I mean, would he ever see again? Was he going to be blind the rest of his life now? Was this going to be the new way he lived Can you imagine the thoughts that ran through his mind of all the people he had put in prison or murdered for thinking he was doing the right thing? He had that blood on his hands. Can you imagine those three days must have been long, grueling, painful days? And then a guy by the name of Ananias comes over to Paul lays his hands on him, and the Bible says something like scales fell from Paul's eyes, and now he could see. I believe that's very symbolic. I believe the Lord allowed Paul to be blind for three days, to think through everything that was in his head, everything of the past, but to tell Paul symbolically, you have been blind by religion. You have been blinded to the truth. But now I'm going to show you who I really am. I'm going to take you deeper in your walk than you've ever known. You've had a lot of head knowledge, but it's time for that head knowledge to go down to the heart. And it's time for you to know me more deeper and more intimately than you ever have. And I'm going to take you to such a depth in your walk with me, Paul, that you will be amazed at who I really am and what I can do. So Paul, in that moment, he trades his old life all of his knowledge for this new, deep-filled relationship with God. It says, immediately he got up and was baptized into the Christian faith. And that's when his walk with God began to go down deep. I know this because in Philippians 3.10, this is what Paul says. And this is the amplified version. He says this, for my determined purpose that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of this person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, the power it exerts over believers." And that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in the spirit into his likeness, even to his death. Paul had a depth to him. In this single sentence, this one verse, Paul's goal for his life is revealed. He says, this is my determined purpose. 
Look at some of these things he put in the scripture when you break them down. His determined purpose in life was this, that I may know him. Progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Perceiving, recognizing, understanding, and continually transformed. This is what happens when we have a determined purpose to go deep in our walk with God. We are transformed continually. We are made new continually. We're perceiving, we're recognizing, we're understanding who God is, the spirit of God and what he's doing on the earth. We know him and we're deeper and deeper, more intimately acquainted with him and his heart for the world and his heart towards humanity and his heart towards us. I mean, is there anything else more important for us as Christians to pursue? I don't think so. In order to create that depth in our walk, number one is we have to make that our determined purpose. What is our determined purpose in life? I spent a lot of time talking with people about their purpose, talking with people who are on a search to find meaning, to find fulfillment, to find purpose. They're reading books, they're doing the self-help thing, they're going through personal growth stuff, which is all great. But that's never gonna lead you to your purpose. That's never gonna fill the void. No, our determined purpose is found in the depths of relationship with God. Philippians 3, 5, and 6, Paul says this. Paul had a determined purpose in life before his encounter with God, and he talks about it here. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church as for righteousness based on the law faultless. Paul's giving all of his accolades, all of the things that he thought were important, what he thought his determined purpose was before his encounter with God. But then he goes on to say this in Philippians 3, 7, and 8. But wherever, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Paul, he had accolades. He was a famous speaker and teacher. He was known in Jewish circles. He was wealthy. He had friends and community. He was rising in his career. And he said, that's what I thought my purpose was. Until I encountered Christ and it changed everything. 
I now have a new determined purpose, and it's to know Christ, to know him deeper, because it's in that deep place that God leads us and guides us and gives us our assignment for whatever we're supposed to do. But without that depth, without that determined purpose to know him, we're wandering around trying to accomplish spinning our wheels so much, so fast. Trying to figure out what this life is all about. After reading these scriptures, I found myself wanting to let go of the things that I so passionately pursue so much of the time and wanting to go deeper and deeper into cultivating a relationship with Christ. Because I really believe the only way to maintain a life of peace, hope, and fulfillment is by creating depth in our relationship with God. My freshman year, my, when I was in eighth and ninth grade, I played football. But when I got to 10th grade, I switched schools from Sterling Heights High School to Oakland Christian School, and they didn't have a football team, so I had to switch from football to soccer. And so I really wanted to play soccer. I had played it growing up, but I hadn't touched a soccer ball in probably four or five years. So when I went out to try out for the soccer team, As a sophomore, I didn't make the varsity team. I made the junior varsity team. And I played well my, my sophomore year, and I got pulled up to varsity at the end of the year. But I was determined the next year to make the varsity team. Not only to make the varsity team, but to start on that team. And so I asked my parents if they would buy me a real, like, life size soccer goal for our backyard. And every day in that summer, I practiced kicking a soccer ball at that soccer goal. I kicked with my right foot. I kicked with my left foot. I ran every day that summer trying to keep in shape. I spent hours upon hours in that backyard kicking a soccer ball at that goal. And it came time for tryouts my junior year, and I didn't have very good tryouts. There's some personal things happening, and I didn't have a very good week. And my coach said, hey, Chris, you're gonna start the year on JV, not on varsity. And that's when I decided, you know what? I don't really like soccer all that much anyway. (laughs) I quit the soccer team and went and played golf. Way less running. Way more fun. But I tell you that because I thought at that time, my purpose, if I could just practice harder, if I could invest more time, if I could go deeper and, and, and work harder, that I could become a really good soccer player Make that varsity team and start on that team. And I want to ask you, what is that for you? What is that thing that, that we think is so important, that you think is so important in your life, that you, you work hard for it, you spend so much time on it, 
And I want to ask you, has that thing paid the dividends that you thought it would? Or has it left you wanting more and more and more? Because so many times we are on a path where we have a goal to fill this void in our life. We try it with so many different things. And God's saying it, it's not very complicated. It's found in me. So number one, a determined purpose creates an intimacy and depth in God. Number two, if we're gonna have that depth, we've gotta simplify our lives. We've gotta simplify our lives. I love this verse in Ecclesiastes 7, 29. It says this, God made us plain and simple, but we have made ourselves very complicated. God has made us plain and simple, but we have made ourselves very complicated. Very complicated and very complex beings. Have you ever bought something that was advertised to you on a commercial? You know, advertisers, they have a goal. And one of their goals is to convince you that you're disconnected or to convince you to be dissatisfied with who you are or what you have and to fill a problem, you know, to solve a problem for you and give you a solution that makes your life easier. And I don't know about you, but right now it's rake, it's time to rake all the leaves. It's that season. And when I moved about a year and a half ago into my new neighborhood, there are so many trees. I love this about the neighborhood, but I never knew I would spend the amount of hours raking leaves. Does anyone else have to do this this time of year? And so I was determined to find out the quickest and the fastest way to rake leaves because last year I literally bagged over 80 bags of leaves. And if you think I'm lying, I have a picture to show you. This is my house. That's one, that's 20 some bags in one week right there. So I was determined to figure out the best way to do this. So I started with just, you know, a lawnmower, bagging the leaves, putting them in the bag. I'm like, I got to do this faster. This is taking too long. So then I bought a really good rake. And I thought, I watched like blogs and vlogs on how to like rake a certain way to do it the fastest, but that didn't happen to get me anywhere faster. So then I tried, you know, taking a blower, a leaf blower, blowing the leaves, and then bagging them. That wasn't any faster. And then I saw a commercial. (laughs) I saw a commercial for a leaf sweeper. I had never knew that leaf sweepers existed before. And so I'm watching this commercial, and in the first part of the commercial is in black and white. And it's got a guy who's raking his leaves, and he's got back pain, and it says, do you ever get back pain raking your leaves? And I'm like, yes. Yes, I do. Does it take you forever to rake your leaves? Yes. And all this stuff in black and white, and then all of a sudden, the frame turns to color. 
and you got this guy with this leaf sweeper and he's walking down his lawn with a smile on his face and all these leaves are just coming right up into his leaves. Do I have a picture of the leaf sweeper? This is the leaf sweeper right here. And so the leaves go in and then you seamlessly just undo the bottom, the leaves come out, you bag them, and it's supposed to be the easiest way to rake leaves. And I'm like, that's it. That's gotta be it. So I bought this thing, got it to my house, and I tried it. Guess what? Didn't go any faster. Wasn't any faster to use that. My back still hurt when I was done, and it was a waste of whatever it cost uh, to, got, to, to buy it. It's going to go on Facebook Marketplace any day now, if anyone's interested. <laughs> but we're so conditioned to pursue faster ways of doing stuff, to advance, to beat the system. We're always running at a maddening pace, frazzled, strained, even breathless at times, because we're trying to find the best way to do life. We're trying to get as much in as we possibly can. We're striving and striving and striving to accumulate things that we think will fill a void in our life, but never do. And I believe God's calling his church to simplify. God made us plain and simple but we have made ourselves very complicated. Thomas Kelly says this, he says, to reorder one's world, the need to simplify is imperative. Otherwise, we will find ourselves unable to enter the deep, silent recesses of our hearts where God's best messages are communicated. Sometimes, the depth of our walk with God is maybe reading the verse of the day on our Bible app and then going throughout our day, talking, having conversations, running around, doing so many things that we think are so important, that we think will add value to our lives or our necessities to live. But God's saying, if you simplify, and you come towards me, there will be a depth that you've never known. There's another level in God that he wants to take all of us to, but it requires some time, an investment of time into what really matters the heart of our creator. I want to ask you a question. Do you find yourself doubting God? Do you find yourself having less and less faith of, in who God is? Do you find your world, biblical worldview changing on you, being more like the world, becoming more like the culture? If that's happening, it's because we're spending way more time immersed in our culture than immersed in the depth of who God is. And it's in that depth, it's in that intimate place 
where we come to know our Father, our Heavenly Father. It's there where He transforms our hearts. It's there where He teaches us who He is and what He has for us. It's in that place where we get to know Him and download His heartbeat. And it's there where our faith grows. Our faith flourishes. We begin to believe he can do anything again. We begin to believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life. We begin to believe that he has a plan and a purpose for all of us. But when we get away from that place, that's when we start to separate who we are from who he is and we get lost out there. In closing, I just want to close with a story. Megan and I on our honeymoon, we went deep sea diving. Maybe not deep sea diving. I think that's something where you... uh, take, you know, scuba gear. We didn't do that. We went, we had snorkeling equipment. We had a snorkel and goggles. We went out on this boat. We jumped in the ocean. And then what they do is they teach you to hold your breath, to take the snorkel, and you, you swim down about 15 feet. And down beneath the surface in the depth of the ocean, you see things that you never knew existed the most incredible tropical fish, the most incredible scenery. I think I have a picture of something that you see, like, that's not Megan, but that's, you see this beauty in the depth that you never really knew existed. You know, you can stand and look out at the ocean and it's beautiful, but when you get in it and you dive down deep, you see that there's another layer of beauty there. There's more to be discovered. There's more to see. And then you come back up to the surface when you're doing this, and it's exhausting because you're swimming down, then you're treading water, then you're swimming down, then you're treading water. And it's not always easy to get down into the deep in that ocean, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And I just, my goal for this message this morning was that a, would be that a passion and that a hunger for God, for the deeper things of God. The things that are only found in the secret place with him when we spend intimate moments, when we carve out time in our day, when we set that time aside to go deep with him, to open his word, to pray and to say, God, speak to my heart. I want to know you. I want to know you. I don't just want to know about you. I don't want to just have head knowledge like Saul did. I don't want to just be religious but I want to know you. I have a determined purpose to simplify my life so that I can know you deeper. When we get to that place, church, there's something that changes. 
and the Spirit in us. We become men of God and women of God that have wisdom and understanding, who see things differently than we would see in the flesh. David put it this way. He said, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. David knew, he knew his whole heart, his whole life would be different if he got to that secret place, if he got to that intimate place with God. And I just want to encourage you, this is not meant to condemn. In fact, I had to take a deep look in myself preparing this. And if I'm honest, I'm not at the depth I want to be in my walk with Christ. I get distracted by so many things, just like we all do. But I have a new determined purpose in my life, and that's to know him, to know him deeper, to be intimately acquainted in all that he is, to know my God. And I pray that would be your passion and your heart as well. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that not only did you create us, but since the beginning of time, you had a plan designed to bring intimacy to us, designed to have relationship with us. Lord, I thank you for that plan. I thank you that you love us so much that you sacrificed everything to be with us so that you can take us on a journey that's so deep. God, I pray we would have a passion and a hunger to discover your depth, to get to that secret place where we know you and are led by your spirit. Lord, I pray that a hunger and a passion would just be birthed in our hearts to know you to love you, to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.